Hello, I'm Rithian Knight and this is Thai Hi-Fi. If you like veg, you're in for a treat this week because it is a vegetable-packed podcast. I interview retired hip-hop legend MC Fab as she documents her journey from the streets of Bristol to running her own successful community-supported agriculture scheme. So, Abby of Big Meadow CSA, welcome to the show. So glad you could join me this evening. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm doing good, yeah. Nice to chat to you. Yeah. Where to start? Let's start um, where you're situated at the moment. Where um, where are you in or on the Isles? And what's it looking like where you are just now? Um, so I'm, I'm situated in the southern tip of the Gower Peninsula in South Wales. Um, not far, actually, from where you grew up, I think. Mm-hmm. Um and today it's looking like it was a nice frosty kind of blue sky blue sky frosty day today um although it's still it's getting a bit chilly now but yeah it's been a good day nice um it too has been blue and frosty at this end i uh, was gifted a pair of um woolen dashteen gloves for christmas from my partner and they're definitely paying off on those kind of frosty cycles mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah but, wow. But like, it's very nice to be cozied in uh, talking to a friend uh, this time of night and this time of year. Um, yeah, how are your days at the field at the moment? I want to kind of get into the kind of landscape of uh, Big Meadow. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. what's, it, what's it looking like uh, down on the field? Um, it's It's looking good. It's kind of it feels like it's sort of emerging a little bit out of the kind of deep, dark depths of winter. Um, we had a harvest there on Thursday and it was blue sky day. You know, it was still pretty cold, but the sun was out and actually just a few days of sun on the crops and they're all looking quite alive and vibrant again after kind of being battered by the elements over winter. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of those first sort of signs of spring and starting to think about what crops we're going to sow and, you know, get in the next year up and running. Oh, that's fantastic. What uh, what was coming out of the ground? Um, well, in the tunnels we're doing, we've got mostly salads, sort of winter salad crops. Um, broad beans are on the way. Onions and garlics are poking their heads out. Um, and then we've got our winter um, crops of carrots, leeks, cabbages, all the kales um the kind of sturdy green stuff that just keeps on going apparently mm-hmm. nice great you've just filled my mind up with some mental imagery of vegetables i am juiced and ready to go for this interview tonight that's awesome yeah i want to um i want to kind of wheel up and rewind because uh, i'm uh, you're running quite a big operation at the moment which we'll get to but i want to know uh, how it all began, Abby? Were you surrounded by cabbages and all the kales as a as a youth, or is that something that you discovered on your uh, 
on your on a learning journey of some kind how did you get into growing yeah i guess i mean i as a youth i remember like my mum used to have an allotment and she would take us up there and like i remember this kind of like carrying watering cans and then being like really really heavy but having to take the watering cans the allotment to to water the veg um and then i remember again like as a teenager mum saying like oh come and look at my leeks i've grown them myself and i've just been like oh yeah whatever not interested don't you know i kind of just i wasn't interested at all um and then i guess it kind of just popped up again in my sort of early 20s when i was living in bristol and i got an allotment and i remember i pulled this carrot out of the ground and the smell of carrot was so overwhelming and i realized like the food that you get in the supermarkets compared to what you can grow yourself are like you know they're two completely different things mm-hmm. um so yeah from then i kind of um I just carried on with that, really. I did lots of different sort of community gardening projects. I mean, I went to live and work in New Zealand for a few years to to get more sort of hands-on practical experience of growing veg mm-hmm. on a bigger scale. Um, yeah. yeah, so, yeah, I mean, it definitely, both my parents were quite keen gardeners, and I think that kind of, it sort of sowed the seed in my young self. But yeah, it wasn't till my 20s that I kind of actually took an active interest. Uh-huh. Like we were growing like beetroots and runner beans. And I just had this like excitement that actually you could grow everything that you that you needed. And I was kind of cycling around Bristol, like scavenging bits and bobs of stuff that I could use on the allotment. <laughs> and it was like a real like nice kind of, you know, it felt like a proper adventure. Yeah. Great. Great fun. You know, I don't know if you've been catching the news amidst your working week, but there's been a lot of chat about uh, the supply chain dry, drying up because of, uh, you know, the Brexit changes with, with withdrawing from mm. the European Union. And, you know, we're, we're not going to have any salads on the supermarket shelves. And, you know, I was reflecting on that a bit, Abby, and I was thinking, well, actually, not that I've been to a supermarket for, for, for a long, long time, but the last time I remember mm-hmm. eating supermarket salad... It's like it didn't particularly inspire me to want to eat five a day, if you know what I'm saying. It's crap. It's totally crap. Like, it's been picked about three weeks ago and shipped over from wherever. Like, it's a it's a completely different, you know, it's like comparing instant coffee to real coffee. They're two different things. Mm-hmm. Growing some salads at home at the moment, some microgreens, you know, and I'm really enjoying mm. the, the rich taste whilst I'm a little bit away from a you know a farm scheme like yourselves yeah um take me across the seas to new zealand then what you've mentioned you went uh, across to get some experience uh yeah paint us a picture of uh, of that looking back now it was a massively transformative time for me i wanted to go and travel around new zealand and sort of work on different organic farms and get sort of hands-on experience um growing food um and I I think the second place I went to, I ended up staying for about 18 months. Um, wow. And that was a intentional community that sort of had about, it was, it was a lot of land. It was about 50 acres, I think, of, you know, organic fruit trees and avocados and um, vegetable gardens. And they had like bees and all sorts of stuff going on. Um, 
so that was great. Like I totally loved it there and I stayed there for ages. Um, and I was just kind of um, jumped in at the deep end really because when I was there, the garden manager at the time left and then they were like, okay, well, here's the gardens for you to manage. And Gosh. I just kind of had to pick up the reins and run with it. And, you know, they grew everything that they ate. So if one crop failed, then they didn't have that crop then for the whole, you know, until the next season. So it was definitely a bit of a trial by fire. Um, yeah. But I learned a lot quite quickly. I bet. 50 acres and it was all self-sufficient. That's yeah, incredible. The, I mean, the, yeah, the actual veg patch was probably about one acre. Um, mm. And the rest of it was like fruit trees and nut trees and um orange trees that we used to harvest and take to market and you know squeeze fresh orange juice at market and sell that and stuff now you're talking i guess the whole willing workers on organic farms things it's probably quite hit and miss finding a good host uh would you recommend this particular spot yeah yeah without a doubt it was amazing yeah it was called wilderland uh-huh are they still going do you know yeah, yeah, I think they're one of the oldest standing or longest standing communities in New Zealand. Um, maybe we're going for about 60 years, maybe more. Wow. And are they total hippies? <laughs> yeah, 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 it's full on, full on hippie kingdom. Is it? Yeah, yeah, okay. it's great. The guy that set it up originally, he um, he was really into organic farming but he had an accident um, on the tractor and ended up being paralyzed from the waist down. Um, So he converted all his tractors to be able to, to, so, you know, so he could still use them. Like he was a bit of an engineer, but he also had this vision that this piece of land would always be a place of learning and a place for people to be able to come and learn about organic produce and how to grow, how to grow your food basically. And I think like, thousands of people have been through that place over the years and just taken so much knowledge from it and taken it on to the you know wherever they are in the world mm-hmm. it's a very inspiring place sounds really inspiring yes yeah, a big paying it forward yeah so um yeah, definitely so from being in the deep end um fast forward a few years obviously you went into your whole hip-hop career and sort of made your <laughs> paved your way as a yeah prestigious MC but I guess that was uh, the kind of glamour and high living of all that that kind of died down by the time we met Abby um do you want to speak a little bit about your experience at Camus yeah well Camus was Ab McFab's uh you know Ab McFab was born at Camus I reckon in the early days um making hip-hop rhymes over the washing up but yeah, I started there as the gardener. Um, uh, so I did that for two years and that was great. Again, a bit of a kind of learning curve, um, sort of integrating, working with these groups and getting kids in the garden and, you know, trying to get them inspired about worms and composting and eating eating uh, peas straight off the plants and stuff like that. Um, but I loved it. It was really, you know, that kind of interaction with having young people in the garden who might not have ever seen a potato come out the ground and that kind of you know the they kind of feel like it's a bit gross but it's also quite intriguing at the same time and there was a kid that didn't believe that chips came out of the ground 
well, you know, the potatoes came out of the ground and were turned into chips. And, you know, you could take them through that whole process because we had the garden right there. And that was like, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was good times. Because uh, when you speak yeah. about it being um, quite challenging, integrating gardening, I realise you're speaking with a huge amount of understatement. So paint us a picture of <laughs> paint us a, a mental image of cameras just for those that, uh, yeah. that don't know what yeah. we're talking I about. Yeah, I mean... It's quite hard to describe um, because I guess because we were there for so long, it just becomes your normal life. But um, so it was two, it was a mile and a half off the main road um, down like across a boggy track um, to get down to the cottages. Um, so everyone had to wheelbarrow all their stuff down the track, um, whatever you wanted down at Camus, it had to come by wheelbarrow. Um and it was two fishing cottages um, down in this this little secluded bay, um, and the garden. I think the garden was about an acre, maybe, um, with some woodland, like some quite nicely established woodland around it. Um, and we had two polytunnels, um, which were amazing, like a huge help in the kind of winter, and like extending the Scottish season. Mm. Um, yeah they were a huge help um and yeah i guess we just we used to have youth groups come for a week sort of like an immersive experience and living in community and living off grid away from technology and you know sitting around the fire and jumping in the sea and chucking jellyfish at each other um (laughs) yeah things like that You know, tonight uh, we made a little bit of a toast to Camus around the table. We opened the last bottle of the um, Blackcurrant. That's right, Black the last current. bottle of Blackcurrant yeah. of 2019. It was absolutely oh, delicious. Wow. Yeah, um, it was so good. That was like, that was one of my favourites actually when it was Blackcurrant season. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good shift if you're leading a group on fruit picking duty because you could just lie on your back and <laughs> <laughs> just pick them straight <laughs> yeah, yeah. into your face. Yeah. Just nibble them off the plant. Uh-huh. You know, as I um I guess where I'm headed, I guess, in my mind's eye right now is how um love of food or love of experiences leads you on to doing things with gardening. I mean, was there anything about Camus which inspired you to sort of go forward to do what you're doing now? Like where did that idea germinate yeah. or crystallise? Do you know, I think it actually germinated in a pub on Mull um, one weekend when I was on my day off. And I was kind of, you know, I knew I was leaving Mull and wondering what was going to happen next. And I kind of just had this vision that I wanted to incorporate sort of food growing and building community and giving a space for young people to come and just be in nature and be surrounded by um, kind of adventure, but also the kind of the security that there is when you're just outside um in nature mm-hmm. um so it definitely like looking back now i remember sitting in that pub and having that conversation and kind of thinking like oh where in the world could this happen um and then it just sort of got parked on the shelf i think for a year or 18 months or so i kind of forgot that 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 conversation even happened mm-hmm. um so yeah i mean there's loads about camas that i try to I think this year in particular that I'm trying to integrate into what we do at Big Meadow, um, part of that is setting up a youth programme to 
Um, it's going to culminate in a one night residential. I don't think I'm quite brave enough to do the full week straight off the bat. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, just, you know, just working with young people and getting them outside and getting their hands in the soil and kind of talking about food, but also, you know, having adventure activities and sort of that kind of self-development that comes from pushing your boundaries a little bit and oh, you got a, um, just you got... experiencing something new. Yeah, you've got a great location to do that. Yeah. Let's go there. What is Big Meadow and what is a community-supported agriculture scheme? Let's let's start there. Yeah, okay. So I guess a community-supported agriculture scheme is um, a project where members and growers kind of share the responsibility and the risks um, as well as the rewards of growing food. Um, and they come in all sorts of different shapes and sizes um, but I basically just made a bit of a carbon copy of Kaitan CSA, which is the project that I worked with when I left Camus. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, we have um, 65 members that receive a weekly organic veg box. Um, and for that, they pay a monthly subscription. Um, so financially, it's a good model because it means that as a grower, I know exactly how much money we're getting in each month. So I can plan for the future and we can employ staff and we know kind of it runs more like a business in that sense. Uh Whereas if I took my veg to market, you know, I might make loads of money or I might not. And then I've got all this produce and where does it go? So it's a much more kind of stable way of trying to make money through selling food. I guess another aspect of community supported agriculture is engaging the community um so you know they're invested obviously in terms of you know they pay some money and they get their veg each week but it kind of spreads out a lot further than that so we do um volunteering days um twice a week and we have around probably six to ten volunteers um on a wednesday and a thursday come and help us um raise the plants and harvest and pack the boxes Mm -hmm. um and then we're starting to do some work uh with school groups um, getting them to come to the field, you know, throughout the year just to see how the veg uh, changes for, with the seasons. Gotcha. Um, and just other nice things like, you know, they, they've they made a recipe share WhatsApp group and that's all managed by the members. It's kind of, you nice. know, they've taken that on, made it their own. I have really benefited um, both our, our household and friends of ours. We shared the um, recipe for kale Dipping it in uh, mm-hmm. peanut butter sauce—that's um—that's changed lives, Abby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seeing that. So, are you? Um, would you say it's a farmer-led scheme? Is this something that you've initiated for fun, or is that is that how it works, or can the community initiate yeah. one? Yeah, no, for sure. So it kind of either way. So Big Meadow, both Big Meadow and Kaitan are grower-led, um, which means that the growers make the decisions about which crop to grow how much to grow how many members to take on you know we kind of have quite a lot of autonomy in how we run the csa by a board of directors so basically anyone in a community who has an interest in you know creating a bit of food resilience in their local communities you know they can come together form a board of directors um and then employ a grower to come in to grow the food for them Uh um so it can't it works both ways basically it just depends kind of on different people's skill sets and where they're starting out from right on i would love a csa scheme in my area 
but I don't want to be the guy on the tractor growing veg uh-huh. all year round. But I yeah. would so like we get a box of veg and we grow what we can. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, our vegetables come a long way to get to our table. I would, and you know, if if the if the postie stopped delivering, then that would be that. So in terms of just kind of resilience, really, I would love a CSA on on my doorstep. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's so great because, like, you know, food miles, for one, is kind of nominal. Um, there's hardly any packaging. It's it's as local as it gets. You can make it, you know, it's quite easy to, to run a small-scale organic veg patch. Um, and it's really, you know, the model is quite um, flexible, so you can kind of fit it to, you know, different um, governing structures, different bits mm-hmm. of land, different... A mem- different amount of members yeah. um cool yeah it's good i reckon you can find a few people to get together and make it happen do you know when um when we put this podcast up i might see if i can garner a few little pointer resources on the same page so i can signpost some people if i ever find some interested parties but yeah. um you know so it's you and kaitan it sounds like a dojo what did you achieve over your first year then abby in terms of developments on the ground yeah a lot i think in a year um we so the ground so we rent a two acre patch um off an organic farmer um and so he fenced off it's part of a 16 acre field um so he fenced off for us this two acre section um and we had to cut a hole in the hedge for access to put a gate in um and then put some hard standing down in the gateway so we could, you know, get access for tractors and vehicles and bits and bobs. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a um, 25 foot by 85 foot polytunnel. Um, so that the first time that went in was January, about this time last year. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a biggie. But it's a huge, it was huge. It was like some kind of plastic cathedral. Um, but annoyingly, the day after it got put in this massive storm i can't remember but at the time it was like ingrained in my mind mm. um a huge storm came and it was like 80 mile an hour winds and it basically blew this huge polytunnel over um Oofed. and twisted it all and ripped all the plastic and you know i hadn't even seen the thing put up the first time i saw it was when it was all collapsed and mangled after the storm um but we were very fortunate that the people that put it up um, offered to do us another one for free. Um, so by sort of March last year, we had the polytunnel up, which was um, just in the nick of time um, to kind of get all our seeds in. And and then the beginning of April, the field got ploughed, um, which kind of went from like this lush looking, quite small, manageable size field. And then suddenly when it was ploughed, it was like, oh my God, this is massive what have I done? <laughs> like just completely a bit daunting and overwhelming. Um, but pretty much after that, so it got ploughed and power harrowed. Um, and then we just worked on sowing seed, raising the plants. Um, and then sort of by June, like the field was full of produce. Um, and we started doing our first boxes the last week of June. Um, oh, that's fast. And, yeah, no, it was really, I think we were really lucky because the spring, I don't know if you remember that last year, the spring was just like full on sun 
for a couple of months. And then it was this really great combination of sun, then rain, then sun, then rain. Mm-hmm. So actually for crops on a, you know, on a first ploughed piece of land, we couldn't have asked for anything better. Yeah. And when you say um, we, it's, it's like you and a team of 50 um, volunteers. Is that right? Uh, it's me and another girl called Laura. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah. my plan was to have a team of 50 volunteers and, you know, get everyone involved in, in setting up Big Meadow. But because it was lockdown, um, none of that happened. So yeah. me and Laura just, you know, just chipped away at it. Um, and I remember actually the field was really stony. So every time we made a bed, we went through with wheelbarrows a couple of times. You know, the 50 meter long beds. And we'll go down with the wheelbarrow, filling it up with stones and then go back the other way and fill it up with stones. A hard seasoned canvas veteran like yourself, Abby, you're a, <laughs> you're a wheelbarrow champion. Um, yeah, yeah, I was flexing those wheelbarrow muscles again. <laughs> so you and uh, Laura and um, yeah. a sizable polytunnel and a, a ploughed and a power harrowed field. Um, let's have it. What, what, what have you what have you been pulling out of there? Um, so the tunnel we had was peppers, um, early spring onions, radishes, and in there now is the winter salads. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the field, um, we had, I'll start at the bottom and work out. So we had potatoes, sweet corn, squash, courgettes, leeks, onions, garlic, celeriac, celery, uh, carrots, chard, spinach, French beans, runner beans, broad beans, peas, mange too, beetroots, parsley, cabbages, red cabbages, white cabbages, savoy cabbage, kohlrabi, and then all the different types of kale, uh, I think that's possibly it. And then loads of flowers. Like I just put rows of flowers mm-hmm. everywhere to kind of get the pollinators in and just to make it look nice, really. Amazing. Well, even if you've missed a few veg out and uh, you remember later, Abby, that's a good enough picture for me. You've been, did you say 60 households you've been serving? Yeah. 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 So we were up, I was hoping for, you know, 50 boxes by Christmas. Um, but after the first three weeks, we had 62 um, getting a weekly veg box. And yeah. I think, you know, partly that's due to where we are. Like, there's not any shops around. We're yeah. quite rural. Um, but also COVID, you know, the timing of COVID and the supermarkets being shut. And, mm-hmm. you know, people just, it was on people's radar. Like, oh, where do I get my food from if yeah. I can't go to the supermarket? Yeah. And the sort of fragility of the system was quite high in everyone's minds. Right so, on. So, yeah kind of jumped at the chance to have yeah. a bit of food security on their doorstep sure well 60 households off a two-acre plot uh with you know hitting the ground running that's that's to be commended abby and um yeah i'm really wishing you well for this year it's it's really exciting to hear that you'll be incorporating visits for youth too because i know that that's something you're super passionate about as well yeah 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 it'll be really great to be able to open it up to kind of you know, just get more people at the field and make it more of a kind of social um, place to be. Um, mm. And, it, you know, it's definitely building that momentum at the moment with our volunteers, but I'd love to do education work around getting getting the next generation eating their veg. Sure, sure. 
Um, I'm excited for um, families I know down that way to uh, to be able to access that. That's really cool. Mm, yeah. Bef before you go, Abby, I just want to present the fact that, um, you know, having met some inspiring organic educational people, I was going to say geniuses, but I never met them. That would be a judgment. But meeting people like that and, and kind of, just experiencing that in your 20s suddenly you're at a life stage where you're providing the same thing for potentially for lots of other people that's a cool uh position how does it feel to be in that kind of turning point yeah it's quite realized it i don't think uh until fairly recently um and it was not really something that i ever kind of you know it was never in my mind that oh, okay i want to set up a csa and i'm going to do it like this and da 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 like, it just kind of happened after, like you said, this collection of experiences. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's good. It feels amazing to have a space to offer to, you know, for people to come and learn and sort of take the same or, you know, at least similar experiences that I had when I was kind of learning um, when I was younger. So, yeah, yeah, it's good. It feels it feels like a nice kind of full circle place to be at. Yeah. Yeah, and you never quite can tell where the young people are going to end up as a result, eh? Yeah, totally. And if they, you know, if people can get a little bit inspired about, you know, it is actually magic seeing this tiny seed and then, you know, eventually seeing like a giant broccoli come out of it or something. It's like, <laughs> how do, you know, like it is actually a bit of nature magic that goes on every time. Mm-hmm. Yes, I remember you. Um, you once entered a, a miraculous vegetable into the Bonessens show. <laughs> I did. I did. Yeah, that was the um, the the red cabbage that had been eaten by a rabbit, um, and it was my best red cabbage. And I was really sad that the rabbit had eaten it. Um, but I left the stalk in there, and then sort of came back. I think I must have gone away for winter or something, and I came back. And there was just another, like, beautiful shining red cabbage. And, yeah, I entered it into the Banesh and Show because the story of kind of the resilience of this little cabbage plant um, I thought was really cool. Sadly, it didn't win us any prizes at the show, but, you know, the story lives on. The story lives on. And one day someone will make you that rosette, Abby. Yes, I can only hope. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We live in hope. Okay, well, listen. Thanks for coming and talking to me, dude. I really appreciated that. I'm, um, I'm glad that uh, the veg in the field is starting to rejuvenate and look like it's got a bit more life in it. I also mm, heard, yeah. um, I heard stories of snowdrops underneath the snow uh, at a friend's place near Edinburgh just yesterday. So I, uh, oh, I'm aware that spring, spring will happen. Yeah, yeah, it's coming. It feels like it's just around the corner. It's sort of, yeah. You take good care, Abby, and I look forward to speaking to you again sometime soon. Yeah. Cool. Cheers, Rids. Cheers now. Bye-bye. The infamous queen of the bars there, MC Fab, also known as Abby from Big Meadow CSA. If you like what you're hearing, please tell your friends. And... Uh, Tune in next time for the next edition of Thai Hi-Fi. Cheers now.